welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today, we're going to be talking about what everybody's talking about, well, except, <laughs> except in a different way, uh, with a psychological perspective. Um, we're going to be talking about the Thai boys, as I affectionately call them, out of the cave, but not out of the woods. And that is particularly what I mean by saying that... Um, not everybody is talking about that aspect. Everyone wants to believe that uh, this was an incredible miracle, as I believe, and I'll tell you more about that, how it really was a miracle that the boys and their coach were rescued. But um, people want to just tie a bow on it and think, well, since all 12 boys and the coach got out of the cave, were rescued by incredibly brave divers, that now they're all going to be okay, and that's the end of that, and we can just uh, treat them all as heroes, and it's a great story. It's a happy ending. It is a great story and a happy ending, but as a psychiatrist, um, I am concerned that these boys, who will undoubtedly have varying degrees of psychological problems, are going to feel pressure to pretend that they're okay, (laughs) I'm okay, you're okay, Um, and to just get over it. Now, kids can be incredibly resilient, uh, absolutely, but no one can be in a cave for 18 days, and the first part of which they did not know whether they were going to be rescued. They didn't see anybody come in to find them um, right away. And nobody can go through an experience like that unscathed. So I'm going to be talking more about that today. Um, and I'm going to be talking to you about what some of the... Uh, actually, I'm going to take you through, for those of you who might not have been following this story minute by minute, as I was, because I was asked to uh, talk about it on television and radio, um, I will give you a little bit of a background, a reminder of exactly what the timeline was. But um, before, and then I will tell you more about what the, what the, well, as we're going along, actually, in the timeline, I will tell you about the different things that they had to face and what impact all of that is having. Now, first of all, it was really a miracle that the Thai team and their coach got out because if the water had been any higher and they would have had to do more actual scuba diving, um, this could well have had, would it likely have had less um, exciting, positive results. And in fact, let's not forget that a trained Thai SEAL, Navy SEAL, lost his life because of running out of oxygen. Now, let me tell you where, um, what, I, what background I'm bringing to this story. First of all, of course, as a psychiatrist. Also, I was a scuba diving uh, doctor and a scuba diver um, myself. Uh, so it's kind of a long story, but basically um, I, was, I was a scuba diving doctor for Club Med in Martinique. Yes, yes, 
You're Dr. Carol, the scuba diving doctor in Martinique. Bet you didn't uh, didn't associate that with me. Um, and when I uh, and, and I uh, that experience actually helped me a lot to put what the boys were going through in perspective, both as a scuba diving doctor and as someone who at the same time was learning and did scuba diving. Now, the way that that worked in Martinique, um, uh, as the scuba diving doctor, um, I had to do histories and physicals on vacationers who wanted to go scuba diving. And... um, I took very careful histories, um, you know, asking them about all the illnesses that they had as a child, I mean, however old they were at the time that they wanted to go scuba diving in Martinique. Um, I got their whole history of illnesses and surgeries and any kind of medical issue that uh, they had, no matter, you know, whether they were relatively young or, I can't remember, I think you had to be at least 18 um, to do this at uh, Club Med in Martinique. And, um, and then, of course, I did an exam, particularly of their chest, their, you know, their lungs, and their heart. Now, just as examples, people who have asthma, had asthma, was, you know, ever was diagnosed with asthma in their life, or people who have heart problems, or ever had a heart attack, or had high blood pressure, or or I also had to ask them about what kinds of medications they were taking, um, and particularly if they were taking medication for some heart or lung problem. Um, you know, anyone with a with a um, taking an inha- anyone who had an inhaler for asthma kinds of conditions. All of these people <laughs> did not get a green light to go scuba diving, and so I mean, needless to say. Um, the boys, if they had undergone a history and physical, maybe not a history because they were young and they probably didn't have, most of them didn't have medical problems before, um, but if they had to undergo an exam, a physical exam, after being in the cave for that many days with low oxygen and uh, low f- <laughs> no food, r- running out of food, and presumably um, they drank the water that was in the cave, which is of questionable uh, purity. And, um, you know, all of these things eroded their health. And so if they had to have, if they, if they were at Club Med and they had to have a physical and a history, um, chances are good that they would not have passed and wouldn't have been allowed to go scuba diving, aside from the fact that they weren't old enough. The coach um, would have been old enough. He was 25. The boys were 11 to 16. The coach would have been old enough, but um, and perhaps he didn't have any medical problems before. Um, but uh, again, he would have, you know, his he was in the cave for the same amount of time, and he would have had his health eroded by the same kinds of problems, malnutrition, uh, dehydration, and so on, not to mention the psychological aspects of it. And that's sort of the most important part, and I'm going to get to that. So when, when um, I was working um, as a scuba diving doctor, I had to learn how to scuba dive because, you know, if somebody... I, I went out with the boat every day, the scuba diving boat, and if someone would have had a problem under the water, I would have been expected to go down. Uh, I'm not saying that I was, I, I was not in the category of the rescuers who rescued these boys in the cave. I am not trying to say that. 
but um, I certainly, you know, there could well have been a situation where I would have had to uh, grab a scuba suit and be able to go down. So the way it worked there, um, you did four days of learning how to scuba dive and being tested, and even if you knew uh, some of the people already knew how to scuba dive, but you still had to go through this program where you would dive in relatively shallow water as compared to the last day when you go on what's called a deep dive. And let me tell you, <laughs> um, it is not easy. I mean, I am a good swimmer and was then also a good swimmer, but all kinds of things can happen under the water. And the scariest thing, the most dangerous thing that can happen to anyone, no less someone who's been in a cave for um, 18 days, um, the scariest and most dangerous thing is to panic, to get to be anxious. Because the more anxious you are, the more oxygen you use up. And that uh, can be deadly. Also, sometimes when people panic and they have a mask on them, um, you know, with the um, regulator giving them the oxygen, they have this feeling, even though this this doesn't make any logical sense, they think to themselves, I can't breathe, I better take this mask off. And that can be the kiss of death. So here are these kids had, that, you know, as they were being rescued, had some degree of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, which is an anxiety disorder, a specific kind of anxiety disorder. And here, if they had to go under the water for any extensive amount of time, the most likely problem they would have, besides, you know, being in a physically weakened condition, would be that they would get anxious, use up too much oxygen, and or they would panic and take off their mask. So, uh, or try to. So, um, so this was a very dangerous, very dangerous situation. And if you have ever gone scuba diving, you know what I'm talking about. Um, it's not so much, I mean, you can, you, you, something can go wrong in a heartbeat um, for example, you can become disoriented when you're under the water and you can't see, the, if you're deep, you can't see the light. So you get, or even sometimes when you can, you, it's so easy to get disoriented. And the water in the cave that the boys were in, in Thailand, was very murky. So it would be even easier to de- get totally disoriented, not know which way is the top of the water. So all of these things were just, um, making this rescue extremely hard. And, of course, it's, it was really sad and ironic that one of the Navy SEALs, uh, a man who was very fit and who uh, had worked for a number of years as a Navy SEAL diver, um, he lost his life. And, ironically, it was because he used up his oxygen. Now, it hasn't been reported, and they probably, I don't know if they know yet exactly how that came about, um, but he was reported to have lost consciousness and then to have died. So if this is a trained, fit Navy SEAL, Thai Navy SEAL, what chances did the boys have? That's why this whole thing really was a miracle. Um, so let's look at the timeline. The, uh, they went into the cave after soccer practice, 
and they had apparently gone into the cave, this cave before. Uh, that was on June 23rd. So 12 boys, 11 to 16, and their 25-year-old soccer coach went um, for, to have fun after soccer practice, you know, to, particularly it was one of the boys' birthday, and they wanted to celebrate his birthday inside the cave, and I've heard reports of how they wanted to write their names inside the cage, uh, the cave. Yeah, it was like a cage by the end. I'm sure that's how it felt. Um, so, so they had done gone into caves before, including this one, but the only difference was that this time the rains came because it was monsoon season, and um, before they knew it, the the entrance to the cave was blocked by water. And they had gone further in than they had ever gone before, so presumably that's why they didn't realize just how the water was getting, how high the water was getting um, on the outside of the cave. So um, that was June 23rd, and then July 2nd is when divers, two British divers, located the missing team more than a week after they had disappeared. So now these two, um, you may have seen video of the, uh, from the cave where the two divers sh- showed up and the boys were ecstatic. Now under their condition, the conditions they were in and in general children tend to have magical thinking. And um, so when they saw the divers, their immediate thought would have been, oh, thank goodness we're saved. It would, in other words, it would have seemed to them as though that was it. That's all they had to do. Now they were going to be safe uh, because these divers were here, that somehow they were going to be able to get out. Like they had no clue just how difficult it was going to be. Well, um, talking about magical thinking, I would love to go on, but this is a break. <laughs> so we need to take a break. I will come back with more about the uh, Thailand boys and the, uh, the amazing cave rescue and what things were going through their mind during this time and now. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com 
These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about the Thai boys, the amazing Thai rescue, 12 boys and their coach from a cave in Thailand. Oh, yes, that's another um, connection that I have to this case, um, is that I've visited Thailand. It's an incredibly beautiful place. Um, also, of course, I, you know, my expertise in trauma and children came to the fore in terms of um, understanding their psyche. Now, I was starting to go through the timeline, and I mentioned about how they were found on July 2nd by the two British divers. Um, July 4th is when I started being asked to do interviews about uh, what is going on in the minds of these children. And um, I talked about, well, I talked about, uh, for example, this, what I just mentioned about the, the scuba diving, how, because at that time, um, they didn't know that the water was going to be low enough for them to not have to come out being under the water as much as they originally thought. So um, I, was, <laughs> I was not very optimistic about the whole thing because it seemed like um, they were going to have to be actually scuba diving under the water. Some of them didn't even know how to swim, and it just seemed very, very risky uh, because of what I was just mentioning about uh, being anxious um, and panicking and so on. And... Um, you know, we, we have come to see how the coach was a very big help in keeping them their spirits up and in keeping them together and so on. Um, but anyhow, so, okay, so July 4th, those are were some of the things that I was talking about, and that was at uh, CNN in, in L.A. And then um, July 4th was the, I mean, July 6th was the date when the Navy, former Navy, SEAL, Thai Navy SEAL, died, as I was mentioning before, when he ran out of oxygen. His name was Saman Kunan. He was 38. Um, He died, ironically, you know, he ran out of oxygen, and ironically, what he was doing was going in the cave and placing uh, canisters of oxygen for the people who were trapped in the cave, um, putting oxygen tanks along the route where they were going to be taking the soccer team out. So he was replenishing their air supply while his own air supply was, uh, was cut off in some way, whether he became anxious or there was some malfunction or something. Scuba, <laughs> scuba diving is not for the faint of heart. And uh, he had left the SEALs, um, in 2006 and was working at Bangkok Airport's uh, service as an emergency rescue officer. 
So here he was, not even a SEAL, but he came to volunteer himself for this rescue, and he unfortunately died. Now, um, July 8th, of course, was the really... Uh, was a really exciting day. That was Sunday, this past Sunday, because that was when the first four boys were rescued from the cave. And I was in New York at that time because um, my book, uh, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror, the first and only book about terrorism for kids, won um, the New York Book Festival. As if you've been listening to the show, you may have heard that I talked about winning the prize uh, at the book festival in London, and then I just recently came back from Paris where I won the Paris Book Festival Award for that book, and now this past weekend, Saturday night, was New York. So Sunday, I was ensconced in the CNN building in New York, going from CNN to CNN International talking about uh, what was happening, you know, minute by minute, things were changing and things were um, progressing. And, of course, you know, it was a very glorious moment when the first four boys were rescued. But I was talking about how, one of the things I was talking about was how, since it seemed like that, those were the, the way that they chose them, although it still hasn't become clear, at first they said they were going to let the team choose who would go out first, and that may have been um, how it was decided. Then it came out that it was based upon who were the healthiest, um, which four of the boys were the healthiest ones, and that they, that's how they would pick who would go out first. And so I was talking about how, on the one hand, that was a good decision to have the healthiest boys come out first, um, because... For one thing, uh, when the boys left in the cave would then hear about that, which they did when the divers went back in for the next batch, uh, that would uplift their spirits and give them confidence that if their teammates could do it, even if they were the healthiest, uh, that maybe they could do it too. So in that sense, it was good. It was also good because for the divers who were rescuing the boys, if they ran into any problems, you know, because it was the first group that they were taking out, they had the healthiest boys, and so they would be able to be, uh, uh, they would be able to withstand any kinds of, I mean, hopefully, or be more likely to withstand any kinds of problems that would come up. So, okay, the four, first four boys were rescued on Sunday, July 8th, and, um, and uh, you know, they were taken, you know, there were ambulances waiting outside the cave, and helicopters, they were taken to the hospital. And then um, the next thing was, uh, the next day, on Monday, the um, next four boys were rescued. By the, <laughs> then I was back in L.A. I had, in between, in between uh, leaving New York City on uh, Sunday night, late Sunday night, um, after doing my last report, for CNN, um, I then hopped on a plane, got back to L.A., and was on CNN again at 7.30 in the morning to follow the story, and by that point, the next four boys had been rescued. So this was really, everybody was getting really excited, you know, eight so far. And Now, of course, the downside to taking out the healthiest first and presumably the next batch, the next group, uh, were the next healthiest, the, the downside of using that, those criteria uh, 
for choosing who gets to go first and second. The downside is that the weakest boys, the least healthy boys, were still stuck inside the cave. And as you may know, um, conditions were not getting any better. In fact, the oxygen level in the caves were going down. And um, oxygen can have, of course, a very low oxygen um, can have a very bad effect on the body and the mind. On the body, it affects mostly the heart and the lungs and the metabolism. And um, it makes, psychologically, it makes people less alert and uh, more confused, less able to concentrate. Um, And some people describe what that condition is like as the person feeling or acting drunk. Oh, another part of that was that it also can make people more irritable and moody. So here we have, um, you know, with the second group still in there and then the third group still in there, those boys and the coach were getting uh, exposed to more and more days of low oxygen. So, you know, think about it. Um, The potential for becoming more irritable, less alert, so, you know, you need to have all your wits about you to, to attempt that escape from the cave, and um, here they're being exposed to more um, elements that will make the escape much harder, not to mention the possibility for them starting to squabble amongst themselves. One of the things I talked about was um, being concerned about there being a, um, a Lord of the Flies type situation if people started, like, if, if things, actually, the main thing that I was worried about, and which is why whenever I did interviews, I was, I, told, I was hopeful, but I was also very cautious, because it was clear to me that if things started to go bad, like if the first group had had problems on the way out, the first group of boys had had problems on the way out, and then uh, the second group got to know about it, or... Um, you know, either because they were told, well, they probably wouldn't have told them afterwards, but they could well have seen something uh, or heard something in the cave that told them that something was going horribly wrong. Um, So in other words, if things started to go wrong, they would go very wrong very quickly. And I was concerned about that, not only for the boys and, you know, so that everything should be thought out really carefully, but I was also concerned about the public, everybody who was watching this, you know, there were sure, (laughs) there were definitely people glued to the television during this whole rescue, at least from the time, um, from Sunday when the boy, the first group of four boys was brought out, Um, you know, it, it was a whole, I mean, the, the, um, expectation and the it, it was it was coming to a climax and um some people were glued to the sets and and um and people of course in thailand i mean the world was watching and if there something had gone wrong i mean it did go wrong <laughs> with the navy seal who did die obviously um and that was horrendous and disheartening for everybody but if things had gone wrong with the boys where a boy died, uh, or more than one boy died, or one boy in this chain um, of taking out the boys one after the other died, um, it, you know, it would have, it w- people would have just been horrified, and 
because we all kind of identified with this escape, this rescue, um, in a number of different ways. One, we identified with the boys because we all are experiencing, or many of us are experiencing, situations that we might feel that we want to be rescued from. Um, maybe our home life, or a relationship, or, uh, or some physical problem, or, you know, there are lots of things that people, that make people feel trapped. And so in one sense, we were identifying with the boys and we wanted to be rescued. And if the rescue had gone wrong terribly um, and gorily, I don't know if that's a word, but in a gory manner, um, then, then that we, would have, we would have felt that same, uh, well, to say being disappointment, that's not a strong enough word. But, um, and, and then also some of us identify with the coach, you know, if you're someone who teaches kids or coaches kids or uh, coaches adults or, you know, is in, in some kind of a capacity like that, you would identify with the coach as, as well. You could be identifying with a number of different people involved. You may identify with being a rescuer. Um, and so when that rescuer died, that could have been something that really, really tremendously upset you because you, you might be thinking of all the situations you've been in where things could have gone wrong and you could have died. So we're all, you know, we all were playing at least one part, identifying with at least one uh, role in this rescue. And um, we would have felt more than then devastated and sad for the tragedy of the boys or their coach dying, we would have felt it personally as well. Well, we need to take another break. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5787. 
472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, I'm going over the timeline of the Thai cave rescue and talking about all the different pitfalls that there were along the way and what a miracle it is that all of the people who were trapped inside have been rescued. Um, I'm also going to be talking uh, about some of the, you know, today's show is Thai boys out of the cave but not out of the woods. So I'm going to be talking to you about some of the things that they are now having to face. Now, um, I was up to... Let's see, Sunday, no, I was up to Monday, I was telling you about Monday, when four more boys were rescued, bringing the total rescued to eight, and um, I just want to mention about how the boys who were left in the cave, you know, after the, after the first four left, the boys who were left um, would have been both increasingly anxious because the challenge, what they were being expected to do, will have seemed more real. And at the same time, they would have been feeling optimistic, um, you know, that that there was actually the rescue had begun, uh, you know, not just bringing in food and so on to them, but but actually people started (laughs) making the first steps um, out. Um, And then, of course, when they got the news of success of the first four boys who had reached... Um, the outside of the cave, they would have been feeling increasingly optimistic. Um, now, in deciding who was going to be going first and second and last, and it was extremely important for the coach to go last, which he did, because the boys needed him to pump them up and to show that he has confidence in them I mean, you know, if anybody was going to be lost and trapped in a cave, uh, a soccer team, <laughs> I mean, it would be horrible for anybody, but a soccer team would be a good choice of people or the, a more fortunate choice in the sense that, first of all, they were used to working as a team, which they had to do the whole time they were trapped and in the rescue and so on, and um, obviously athletic playing soccer, and, um, and having a coach who can coach them in this situation. Uh, so he, it was important that he, that he be last. Another reason why uh, it was important was because the coach undoubtedly felt ambivalent about coming out of the cave. Now, of course, he wanted to live. <laughs> he wanted to survive. But um, he had to have felt some degree of shame and guilt for leading the boys into the cave in the first place, and he had, to be, he had to have been fearful of how people would react to him once he got out of the cave. So unconsciously, these ambivalent thoughts and feelings um, might well have uh, hampered his being rescued. In other words, he could have... Um, oh, he could have unconsciously sabotaged himself to not survive the rescue. Of course, great, fortunately, he did survive. And, um, and then, of course, if he didn't go last and the boys found out that he didn't make it, you know, if he had gone earlier and somehow they found out that he didn't make it, that would have been disastrous for the rest of the boys. They would have thought, well, if the coach can't make it, how am I supposed to do it? 
So getting back to the timeline, um, so Monday, July 9th, as I was saying, the next four boys came out, so that made a total of eight. And then July 10th, um, that was the day that the final four boys and the coach um, came out. That's today. And, of course, you know, this was wonderful and glorious and a miracle and all of those things. Now, the problem, what's so, so, so what am I going to say is the problem, right? Um, well, the problem is that um, people, because people have been glued to this rescue, they, and because they wanted a happy ending and it did have a happy ending, Many people, most people, if not everybody, <laughs> wants to believe that now that they're on uh, out of the cave and on solid ground, um, that everything's going to be great. Now, physically, medically, um, they probably, you know, uh, there are some potential problems, but whatever medical problems they have, for the most part, unless it turns out that they have some rare infection. Um, you know, there are, there are potential problems. There's um, something that you get from being in a cave for too long. You can potentially get uh, infections from the droppings of bats and other animals, and um, that can affect your lungs. Um, but still, we even have medicine for that. Like whatever it is that they have wrong with them medically, which would primarily involve their heart and their lungs and their liver um, and their kidneys and as well as the infections that I mentioned, not just from, from uh, like bat cave it's sometimes called, but not just from that, but, um, but uh, from, you know, they can have infections from the water. It was not exactly the cleanest water. It certainly wasn't the cleanest conditions with all of them on this little plateau in the cave. Um, you know, not sanitary and so on. But, uh, so yes, they can have some infections, and in fact, that's why they're being kept uh, the way they are now in the hospital, um, so that people, they haven't been allowed to actually be face-to-face, well, in contact, in, in direct uh, contact with their family, so they haven't been able to get hugs directly from their family. Um, but they have some of the, I think the first set, the first four, um, were able to see their family members across a glass. Um, and if, as long as they, when, after they do tests, if they find that these boys, or as they find, you know, each set of boys, um, if they can rule out infections, and also they have to make sure it's not just whether the boys have any infections, it's what their, how their immune system is, which of course is compromised after being in the cave in those conditions for so long. They also don't want the boys exposed to infections, potential infections from the people who would come to visit them. So that is, um, they're trying to be very careful with that. And, you know, yes, as I was saying, lung problems and heart problems and um, things like that, but pretty much... Whatever those kind, whatever medical problems they would have um, involving these other organs, pretty much these things, if they have them, they can pretty well be treated medically. So that's not really um, a big 
problem. I mean, yes, you know, I could be proven wrong. There could be something that one of them have. I mean, especially the ones who were the weakest, it might turn out that they develop some kind of medical problem. But that isn't as serious um, as likely to be as serious as the psychological problems because they will pretty much all have psychological problems. Now, I am not saying, um, you know, during my appearances, I got some people tweeting me saying, you're so negative, you're a negative Nancy. (laughs) I'm not really negative. I don't think of myself as a negative person. Yes, was I saying that these various things could happen and and, uh, voicing caution about, you know, because I didn't want everyone to get their hopes up that this was going to be a walk in the park. Especially, again, especially after the, the Navy SEAL died. You know, if he couldn't make it, it I mean, I, that was all the proof anybody needed to know that this is not an easy task for the boys or the divers. So anyhow, um, so I, I'm, well, in terms of the psychological issues, the reason why I'm bringing this up now is because I have a big concern that the boys are going to feel pressure to show that they are heroes, which, you know, they are, um, but to show that, like, that if I'm a hero, that means I can't have any psychological problems. So what I'm concerned about is that both they won't be examined carefully enough for psychological problems and they won't say that they have uh, various problems. And I'm going to talk to you in a minute about what these problems are or likely to be. But, um, you know, everybody wants them to just get over it. Everybody's talking about resilience. Yes, are these boys, well, I mean, they've kind of proven their resilience by surviving, getting uh, out of the cave. But but, um, that doesn't mean that they're not going to be uh, affected by memories of what happened to them in the cave. And essentially, for most of them, it's going to be whatever other psychological problems they have, um, they are pretty much all likely to have, uh, if not definitely to have, some degree. They'll have differing degrees, but they will have some degree of post-traumatic stress disorder. Post-traumatic stress disorder is, uh, comes about, first of all, when you are in a life-threatening situation. Now, of course, we're used to hearing about that in terms of combat, veterans who come back with post-traumatic stress disorder because of being on the front lines. We get that. Um, You can also get post-traumatic stress disorder from being in a very severe car accident where you thought that your life was in danger. Um, You could get it from being kidnapped or being raped or some other kind of violent um, attack on you or accident um, where you thought your life was in danger. And surely during all the time that they were in there, before, the, before they saw the two uh, divers, <laughs> the two British divers poke their head in, they would have not known whether they were going to ever be rescued. So it was not just a, an accident or um, a one-time kind of uh, situation where, that, where for a few moments they were in fear for their lives, this was going on for 18 days. So, of course, they're going to be having some degree of PTSD. Now, this will depend a lot on who they were 
when they walked into the cave in the first place. People, the kids, the, the um, coach, they will have uh, varying degrees of psychological problems depending upon who they were and how stable they were when they walked into that cage. Now, for the most part, I think they were fairly stable um, in the sense that, uh, you know, they were healthy and, and, and playing on a football team and having a good time. And, I mean, that doesn't uh, mean that they didn't have some problems in their life before then. But I'll, I'll um, explain about all of this and tell you about some of the things that, that they could be facing in the future psychologically when we come back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. I want to get right back to it because I've started talking to you about um, the psychological issues in terms of their recovery talking about the 12 Thai boys who were just rescued from the cave and their coach. So, and the danger uh, that there is of everyone wanting them to just get over it. You know, that's, uh, that's the danger in general. Not, even if you're not in the cage, um, lots of times people will not give enough credence to how um, devastated or difficult certain psychological problems are and people want you to just get over it, right? Well, they're not going to just get over it, um, walk out of the hospital, and, you know, yes. See, part of the problem is why people have this false expectation that they can just get over it is because while they were in the cave, they wrote letters to their families, and their families wrote letters to them. And in the letters from the kids, they were writing, you know, they were very upbeat. I mean, the letters from the parents were upbeat, too. And the kids were saying, um, you know, talking about the foods that they want, fried, fried chicken, and some Thai dishes, and one of them was talking about, you know, hope you're going to have my birthday party, and all these 
upbeat kinds of things. And you know, I mean, yes, did they feel that way? Hopefully, to some degree, that represented, you know, how they were feeling. But did they feel that way 100%? How could they when they were still down there wondering if they were going to ever get out? So really, they were doing it for the benefit of their families, telling their families not to worry, that they're fine. Um, You know, the kids also felt some degree of shame and guilt for ending up in the cave and worrying their families and and so on. And um, so, you know, but that's part of why people think that, oh, you know, the kids were seeming, talking about all these things, fried chicken. Um, They were also talking about hearing roosters and dogs down in the cave. Now, when the people, the rescuers, the, uh, I don't mean the divers, but there were people walking on top of the cave trying to find a natural uh, point where they could, that, like a hole that they could use to dig down into the cave. And so far, there have been no reports of any of these people walking around the top of the cave to have found roosters or dogs. Now, it's possible they couldn't have covered the whole cage, cave in this amount of time. But, um, but uh, it is also likely that those were hallucinations, auditory hallucinations, which would be a normal uh, reaction, a normal part of the impact of being in a cave for 18 days. So, you know, they may well have been hallucinating, which points to, the, um, to how fragile their mental state is already, at least, the, at least those who were hearing things. So, so um, what happens with PTSD? So, um, you know, as I mentioned, the first thing, you know, in order to be diagnosed with that, you need to have been in a life-threatening situation. Okay. So what are the, some of the symptoms of PTSD? I mean, hallucinations can be one of them. Um, but typically it is where you are, um, after the, you're out of the life-threatening situation, you are plagued by memories of it, intrusive memories um, that make you, that, that are unwanted, you know, memories that make you remember how horrible it was to be in that cave different things that happened. Um, You can have flashbacks, not just memories, but actual flashbacks where the child would feel as if he was still in the cave and act as if he was still in the cave. Uh, They can also have what's called increased startle response. So that means, you know how like if um, you hear a car horn all of a sudden, you know, you're not expecting it, and you hear a car horn, you can uh, get startled, or you hear a door open behind you that you weren't expecting, you can get startled. Well, people with PTSD have a much exaggerated startle response. And um, kind of going along with that, you have hypervigilance. Hypervigilance means um, you are vigilant, you are careful about your, or paying attention to your surroundings in a hyper way, in a much more acute, sensitive way, um, where every little noise, every little sound, every little smell, all your senses are on hyper alert, even though you're no longer in the cave. So these are the kinds of things. Then, of course, there is another set of symptoms called avoidance symptoms, um, where, you know, it would make the... Those aren't... Well, 
well, this would be, there are some more serious than others. I mean, for one thing, it would be um, of wanting to avoid talking about or thinking about what happened in the uh, incident or the time that you were afraid for your life. So, so these kids aren't really going to... See, that's part of the problem when you're doing therapy with people who have PTSD because one of the symptoms is you don't want to talk about it. Um, you don't want to remember it is what it is, that you don't want to think about the things that um, made you upset in the first place. But the cure for it, the only real treatment for PTSD is therapy, is intensive therapy. And where the person does talk about it, as they are able to, in other words, unraveling more and more, not forcing the person by saying, um, so what was it like when you were, you know, uh, when you were feeling wet um, uh, in the cave or what, you know, just bringing, trying to force them to remember specific things. In a, in perfectly, you, the idea is to make them feel comfortable and as I called it in, uh, as I said on TV, um, they need to be able to feel that they can now exhale. Uh, they have been keeping all their feelings in because they wanted to act brave and stoic and as if they were up to the challenge of surviving. They wanted to believe it themselves. But really, inside, they had to be frightened. And, I mean, anyone would be uh, at, the pro- at the prospect of doing, they didn't even know, well, they didn't even know what. I mean, they, it was explained to them, but they, didn't, they hadn't actually gone scuba diving before. Um, and so, so um, they need, um, first of all, a good psychiatric evaluation. I'm not talking about two hours. I'm talking about days. And at the same time, getting therapy, being encouraged individually, and then after individual sessions, then in a group with the coach and with each other, you know, a supportive group. But that first they need individual therapy when they can express all their feelings, all their fears and all, all the different, you know, fear that they'll never see their mother again or their father again or fear that their parents would be angry at them. Um, the anger that, you know, some kind of jealousy, how come he got to go out first? Uh, all kind, all, it's such a, a bunch of feelings. Um, that take a long time to explore. And I just hope that um, they are going to be giving, given this opportunity because the, the more intensive treatment they can get now, the more likely they will recover from PTSD, from any other kind of anxiety they have, from depression. There's going to be some degree of depression um, you know, so meanwhile, while they're feeling all these things, people in society and the media and all that are going to be cheering them on. And, and yes, they do deserve that and they should have that. But that doesn't mean that their needs to, um, to talk it out uh, should be overlooked. So I certainly hope, I mean, <laughs> I have been saying it enough, and I certainly hope somebody in Thailand is listening um, and giving them and will plan to give them uh, the kind of intensive psychotherapy that they need. Some also might need medication. For example, if there are kids or the coach um, who are still having hallucinations, for example, then they would need antipsychotic medication. Or if they're depressed, 
they would need antidepressant medication. But, um, but um, medication is not a cure for anything. And it, is, it, can, it can help temporarily with some of the symptoms, of course, but the cure is getting enough intensive psychotherapy individually and then with a group, the group, the team, to help support each other. Well, thank you for listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. Um, I hope this has, been, has helped you not only in terms of you know, getting a better understanding of what happened in Thailand, but perhaps some of these things will be useful for yourself or people you know in your own life. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 